Happy Browns Victory Sunday, everyone, and also Merry Christmas Eve, I guess, to everyone watching uh, the Browns defeat the Houston Texans 36-22 in a game that was really over at the end of the third quarter for the most part, but then the Browns decided to uh, extend the game uh, by playing their backups and ending up in a situation where the the Texans scored twice and and, uh, the fourth quarter took two and a half hours, and here we are. How long? The Browns victory. Yeah, it was it was it, it was a long wait, Brad, but cheers to you. And uh, you know, it's a Browns victory, so I think we're all feeling just fine about it all. Yeah. I was just objectively, it was probably what, like a forty five minute extension of the game by not recovering the onside kick? Yes. Every game is Browns Red Sox with <laughs> is Yankees Red Sox with the Browns. Every game. They finished yeah. the what was it last week or the week before is four forty five when the game mm-hmm. went up. Yeah. Uh, the most convoluted game I've ever seen to one prevent Jim Brown's points record from being broken, and two to break Josh Gordon's record with Amari Cooper, which is just fascinating that they have Amazing. to go from absolute domination to people going, "Hey, keep everybody in, get him those ten yards." To we have to put him back in. We need the ten yards. Yeah, the the game had everything. I think uh, it was the the sort of dominant Browns road win that I think a lot of people were hoping to see from the defense, especially if you take away the points from the backups playing and you take away the points from the kickoff return, it was a kind of shutout. I know that's hard to say when, when you give up 22 points, but I think you all know what I mean. The defense was dominant when it mattered and was able to get off the field at the end to finally put it away. So this, the sort of narrative breaking win that the Browns defense needed on the road and then, obviously, what can you say about the offense other than the fact that Joe Flacco continues to produce at a level that I think is exceptional considering the circumstances, being the fourth quarterback, only joining the team a month ago. Amari Cooper, as Pete mentioned, breaks the Browns' uh, single-game receiving record that was held by Josh Gordon for about a decade uh, with, a, with a performance. I think 265 was his total. Just an absolutely dominant performance from him against a really good – cornerback and Derek Stingley for most of the time. So not like he was getting it for cheap. Um, it was just a, it was a comprehensive victory by the Browns that then got weird in the fourth quarter. But of course we're all Browns fans. So we're used to that. So we'll, we'll, let's, let's try and wipe that last, whatever it was hour from our minds and go back to when it was 36, seven and Joe Flacco uh, was sent to the bench. Uh, Brad, I'll start with you. It, it felt like a game where the Browns, had some real adversity in terms of the the offense couldn't consistently run the ball, which is becoming a, a weekly thing now. But the, but the, they still found a way to move the chains, and it was mostly by Joe Flacco throwing the ball. How do you how do you kind of sum up an offensive performance like that, given that they were kind of playing with one hand tied behind their back? Yeah, I was. I was uh, I'm not surprised that they had to rely so heavily on the pass game again. I kind of figured that's where we would be. I kind of expect weekly now with this run game to kind of probe and see if they can find some things. And if they can't, you know, they'll they'll have their token runs here and there to see what they can get. But they're going to mostly rely on the pass game right now to, to be most of their offense. And uh, the big shots early, right? Like right out of the gate, uh, they kind of knew that. They jumped on them. They got out ahead. And that's when the Browns are at their best is when they can play from ahead. Uh, if they would have had a kicker, we would even be talking about that last <laughs> the end of the game. It's right. like another that. very so, good point. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm surprised. Uh, you know, 
I feel good. It's, I mean, it's amazing. It's a great win. I'm actually a little bit surprised that the Texans didn't play. I was expecting a desperate, elite performance from their defense, and they didn't put up much resistance. Uh, that was surprising to me. I was expecting better from them. Uh, I kind of touted all week that they were going to be this really good defense, and they really, they really weren't. Uh, I know they were missing some guys and stuff, but yeah, uh, it was very. It appeared it wasn't easy, but it appeared that the Browns could. Uh, they had the answers that they wanted. Pretty much, there was a couple lulls where they went three and out, right, or got a mm-hmm. first down and then punted. Yeah. But uh, when they wanted to really put put the pedal to the floor, they did and, and finished. You know, foot on neck, game over, right? And uh, exactly. that was uh, good to see because the Browns haven't done that all year. It's been the cardiac kids, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was great, and uh, you know I hope uh, Dustin Hopkins can get healthy. That would be a devastating loss. I, I mean, it's a hamstring, right? I was think, kind of saying at home, I don't really know, and I'm not one to judge somebody for injury, but you know, if they're if you're within 25 yards and you kind of got a bad hamstring, can't you just kind of get out there and take one step and get into one to get it through the uprights? I don't know. <laughs> just a thought. Uh, yeah, it, I, I mean, I think that obviously it wouldn't be a Browns game if we didn't have injuries to talk about. So sure, the, the Hopkins thing. Martin Emerson left with an injury. Uh, early indications are that it's not a serious one for him, but but that'll be those will be two to watch. Obviously, with a short week against the Jets coming up, but. Uh, but by virtue of having won this game, the Browns are are very much uh, you know one foot in the playoffs here. Uh, as 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 hard as that is to say, as a Browns fan, you never want to get ahead of yourself. But they are on the doorstep, certainly. Uh, so so Pete, talking about the defense because the defense had to play well, considering uh, the, you know some of the early adversity that they they faced with the 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 kicker leaving, and they give up a a kick return touchdown that makes a game that hadn't been competitive competitive. And it starts to feel like the Texans can find their way back into this, but offensively they just couldn't get anything going. You wrote an article earlier this week about JOK, Jim Schwartz saying JOK needs to stay on the field. I think he was the player of the game for the Browns today from my perspective. He was absolutely everywhere, wearing the green dot, I believe, for the first time in his time in Cleveland. Just your overall impressions of the defense and and where they're at now that they really shut down. I know it's Case Keenum. I know it's not C.J. Stroud, but they shut down a real team today. It's the first game I can really think of off the top of my head where Miles Garrett was not dominant mm-hmm. and the defense was still good. Like there have been any number of games where when Miles Garrett is like okay, the defense seems to look around lost without him. And we saw Zadarius Smith had a monster game today. Saw Shelby Harris and Dalvin Tomlinson really control the middle of the line. And and to your point, JOK was able to fly around at the interception, had a bunch of pressure. Uh I I, I think in part because they've lost guys to injury. It's sort of allowing or freeing, I suppose, Jim Schwartz to just say, Jay, okay, we're just going to send you, go go cause problems, and he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, was really excited to see the continuing growth of Alex Wright. Um, he had that big sack where, one, Case Keenum is very generous. I appreciate the fact that he sees guys coming, he just curls up in a ball. Turtle. But <laughs> Alex Wright certainly earned it the way he beat blocks. Um, and, and, and those young DBs in the back end, you yeah. know, you would think at some point having Ronnie Hickman and DeAnthony Bell three games now that somebody would punish them for it. And they haven't. And Ronnie Hickman continues to be up uh, to the challenge. I mean, even, even that last heave down the field where 
Greg Newsom, you know, the receivers behind Greg Newsom, Ronnie Hickman is right there, ready, ready mm-hmm. to take that away. So I was really happy to see those things, uh, especially when we saw some adversity early, saw some early penalties. And mm-hmm. Martin Emerson, they were all penalties. He was doing stuff. Now you can get a little bit, you know, you complain a little bit about the one where Zadarius Smith seemed to have the guy on the ground when they threw the flag that, that, that he was grabby throughout the game and it got him. He got caught flat footed a couple of times and they were able to sort of respond. Denzel Ward looked healthier. I, I think he played more in this game than he did last week, which is certainly important. So they answered a lot of the challenges we needed them to answer this week. It certainly gives you a good feeling about them. One being able to play on the road and certainly Going into these last two games, obviously a quick turnaround. You never know what you're going to get with a Thursday game, but they are going in the right direction in an in, in opportunity where the Browns can potentially now control their own destiny. It's not a great shot, but they have a shot to not only win the division, but a very small, a a, a Jack Duffin-sized hole to <laughs> the, the top seed in the AFC if, if things go their way. That's right. Yeah, there there are some some further permutations for the Browns beyond just making the playoffs that are in play and will really get juicy if the if the 49ers can beat the Ravens tomorrow night. That opens the door to, we will be talking about it. Let's just say that. In the period between Christmas night and Thursday night, that will be a principal topic of conversation. But of course, it seems likely, given everything else that had happened, that the Browns will have a chance to clinch a playoff berth of some sort when they play New York at home in just four days, Brad. And that will end up being a little bit of a, uh, I guess, a revenge game for Joe Flacco, a, a player who was with the New York Jets last year. Obviously, Elijah Moore is going to have revenge on his mind. But beyond those two players, it'll be just an incredible scene for the Browns uh, to, to have a chance to clinch a playoff berth at home for only the second time in, in quite some time. I want to talk about Joe Flacco, obviously, because I think this game, more than any other since he's been been the Browns starting quarterback was one that really they won because of him uh and you know he does have end up with two interceptions but one is a sort of arm punt to Marquise Goodwin that I think Goodwin does a better job he can at least break it up I know you agree with me on that and then the other right exactly it's a classic heat check and then the other one is at the end of the half when they they would have kicked but he's got to throw it into the end zone so uh, Brad I'm just curious your thoughts on where the Browns are with Joe Flacco after four games of this now and, and where you think the, where you think this goes in terms of they've got a home game against the Jets. They go to Cincinnati, a Bengals team that might be eliminated from the playoffs at that point. And then obviously at this point, it seems like they're going to have a playoff game. So what does that feel like uh, to be, it's still hard to even say Joe Flacco quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, but he's not just doing it. He's doing it really well. Yeah, and he's doing it better than anybody else has this year, except for maybe uh, the Ravens game with Watson, right, or the second half of that game. So, you know, that was a pretty exceptional half. But other than that, I mean, this is the best offenses have looked, and and it's not – I mean, this isn't – you know, if you're a run game, if you're a run the damn ball Browns fan, uh, sorry, it's not happening right now. Flacco's uh, throwing it around the yard 40-plus times. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's how they're finding success right now. Uh, he looks good doing it. To your point, I kind of said, like, after last week where they scored, uh, the Bears scored both touchdowns directly off of interceptions. Like, I don't really care if Flacco throws interceptions, but let's just not throw them in our own end or, 
You know what I mean? Or maybe we can manage it a little bit better so it doesn't directly lead to points. Uh, because along, he's kind of a like, you know, live by the gun, die by the gun type of quarterback, right? Like it, you're gonna, without letting him be Joe Flacco and, and throw it around the yard and maybe make a mistake here or there, you're not going to get those amazing plays that, that he does make, right? So um, I think that uh, you have to manage maybe where you take those shots. Uh, so, uh, but listen, man, he uh, was exceptional today. Let's let's be real about it. Uh, the both interceptions were kind of uh, fluky and um, uh, a poor effort from Goodwin, who I, I don't know faded to the back and just fell onto the ground instead of going up for the football. There, I don't. He's he's a sprinter, not a wide receiver. I've decided. Uh, so you can get him in open space where he's far enough from a defender he'll catch it but he's not going to go up he didn't even try to contest for the ball there it was a little disappointing but hey listen man he was fantastic i mean just to be a part of amari cooper's numbers i mean he was throwing he was dotting everybody out there i mean he had drops from from elijah moore i mean he was dotting everybody with everything he was fantastic today he was super hot and uh you know stefanski was letting him do his thing it's amazing to see and i think I am not willing to cap what this team can do in the playoffs with a really good defense and maybe uh, what a, a hot Joe Flacco like this can do to a secondary or anything can happen if you get in the tournament. So I feel really good knowing that this defense traveled well today. Uh, that's a step in the right direction. Um, and uh, you're seeing better and better from the offense every week. It's hard to complain with that as you head towards what – is going to be a really fun... I mean, this is... Let's admit, this has been an incredible run, an incredible ride, and it's a blast. But story's not over, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah, they... Uh, that does feel like the, the version of Joe Flacco they're getting right now uh, puts the puts them in a position that I don't think any of us expected them to be in. Now, of course, we have last week uh, last week's first half Joe Flacco in our heads as well, so... You, you try and find the balance, but obviously today we're, we're all just celebrating. Um, Pete, uh, while uh, we're celebrating what Joe Flacco has done, you look at the box score, the Browns, 30 rushes for 54 yards. They did get in the end zone twice, but uh, what has been a trend is really, I think, uh, it's it's not just continuing to be a trend, it's worsening. I, I know that the Texans uh, play a pretty physical brand of defense and were very solid, I thought, at, at, at the point at the tackle today getting guys on the ground, not allowing any extra yardage, but the their running game is just flat out broken at this point, And it feels like that might catch up with them at some point. You would think, I mean, it, it almost did in this game because they right. can't run clock. I mean, right. they, they run into the situation where they, they have to throw it, throw the ball away constantly. And when you do that and the ball hits the ground, you, you know, that's not chewing up clock. And you end up with these where uh, what have become charity reps for Kareem Hunt, at the end of the game where he cannot move mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's rough. Like you give him credit for the plays he's making that like, but whether it was the screen, they couldn't quite connect with. Yes. It was a little far outside or whatever, but it's, it's rough. Jerome Ford having a tough time. Pierre strong is interesting. He just seems to fall down the second somebody breathes near him. Um, but you know, to the running game, Jake, Jake's done a great job of breaking this down in the film breakdown. Every play, there's a, a guy who's missed their, missed their response. Right. It's every play. I think the first attempt they had with Jerome Ford seems like Ethan Posick couldn't get quite out to the block and, and Christian Harris or whatever blows it up. 
And that just was a plague. And it's tough when you have two guys who are often liabilities at tackle, and then you're not getting the consistent play you desperately have to have from the the three guys you are counting on. It's become an issue. And one of the things it seems like the Browns are trying to do is saying, you know, they've gotten so accustomed uh, in Stefanski era to just go, Hey, we're going to put as many bodies uh, up on the line of scrimmage as possible. And they're getting away from that more and more. You're seeing them Mm -hmm. spread out more to create space to run the ball, as opposed to getting those bodies, because it's not getting the, getting the desired result. I mean, you're, you're running into spots where even in the, on the goal line, you're not sure if you can quite get there, which is certainly troubling. Now it's certainly helpful that Joe Flacco is able to do things like sneak for the two yards. That was a, that was a long sneak. Yeah. Uh, But when you when you run into the situation, it what the the team that it reminds you of is is Deshaun Watson when he was great with the Texans, mm-hmm. and they would literally run into this the, the playoff game against the Chiefs. They right. could not run the ball, and right. the Chiefs just got opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Ultimately, Patrick Mahomes comes back in a historic fashion, and they beat them, and that's sort of where you end up. So it's it's definitely troubling, and and there's no real answer in sight. I mean, obviously the, the simplest thing is to one, get that, that one guy who's not making the play, do it. But teams are basically just daring you to do it. And they want to put you in obvious situations. Now that's, this is why I think Flacco deserves more credit in this game in particular, because it seemed to me that the Texans were saying, no, Flacco's going to beat us with his arm. And he did over and over and over again. And at a couple points, he was posing on him. That 75 yep. yard touchdown pass to Amari Cooper. He passes over a wide open David Njoku running an out route just says, nah, I'm going to go deep. And Mari Cooper goes up and just mosses the guy and makes a big play. But, like, that will eventually get get you back. And, and right. it was far and away the most complete game of quarterback we've seen played this season. But, obviously, when you get in the playoffs, that's a really difficult thing to sort of count on. And, and to Brad's point, you do have to be at least smart about when to take shots. And it was interesting because it seems like before Flacco really started cooking – he was a little more cognizant of taking some of those quick passes and was sort of hesitating to one, the, the one to Tillman was a really nice play where he was able to get out and make the play, but there were a couple he threw away one seemingly at, at, at cream hunt where it, maybe it was thrown at him. Maybe it was really a throwaway, but it seemed like he was erring on the side of caution. And then it started going his way. And he was just like, <laughs> I would just keep going for it. Yeah. So he, he got hot. What, what is the, so, if if this is a concern, the run game is more of their identity and less than, than a trend, like an identity shift of who they are. Like, how do you manage this as you go towards the postseason? I mean, that's my question. I guess, uh, is there a way to manage this uh, extension of the run game? I know they try to do that with the screen game. Uh, I mean, maybe incorporate the wide receiver screen game a little bit more. Uh, but like they, I think they may need to get creative in a little bit of ways to stretch the field, you know, uh, horizontally as yeah. well as vertically to maybe create an extension of the run game. If you can't just line up and run the football, which it's becoming more of an identity than anything, I think. Yeah, I think there's there's a personnel component certainly with the the injuries to tackle. Uh, and then the inconsistent play from the interior. There's also the running back situation. They continue to not have a guy that they can rely on, and so it gets passed around a lot. And then ultimately, as Pete mentioned, often falls in Kareem Hunt's lap almost by default in late game situations, and it it just uh, it's hard to watch, frankly. So 
Uh, you wish that they had an option that they trusted in those situations. I, I, uh, I, I don't know that there is an answer at this point in the season. It's so late in the game that yeah. to, to pivot to something else. I, I do wonder a little bit if they're saved from, from showing some of their hand creatively in this game because they got out to such a lead that they felt like they didn't have to burn any of the run scheme stuff that they wanted to maybe try. And they, they decided to keep it more conservative, but either way, they're not doing it successfully. And, and Pete, I think your point about it, it endangers leads because you can't lean on other teams. And it's to your point, Brad, such a departure from where this team has been throughout Kevin Stefanski's tenure as head coach that you can salt away any sort of a win when you've got Nick Chubb. So what what was the the, the 2020 offense? It was Nick Chubb. Right. You had a lead in the fourth quarter. Nick Chubb takes, takes the game home. Right. To the point about screens, they ran a bunch of them today. It was a poor day on execution. Yeah. They tried one to Elijah Moore. I I don't think that down in distance was great for it. They had one where it seemed like the Joker was like a, a player away from breaking the big one. Jerome Ford had dropped one cream hunt. Obviously they couldn't connect. Like, there are a bunch of plays where it felt like they were there. And this this has been another thing we've sort of seen a little bit the past couple of weeks of feeling like we're this close to breaking a big one in the screen game in a way mm-hmm. that earlier in the season they were better with. And again, you had better you had better better players out there. It's tough yeah. when you've got some of these guys who who aren't as effective, but they are trying to do some of these things. And I think ultimately that may be opening up some of the stuff down the field that they do force at least defenses to cover a little bit more ground horizontally to open those things up. But here again, if if you're looking at this and you're going, the Browns were great at a lot of things in this game, particularly throwing the ball down the field, but you would point to things like the running game. You'd point to the screen game. You'd point to things like being able to control the game at the end as as areas where you're sitting there going. Special teams. Yeah. And and, yeah, yeah, special teams, which, you know, you, you, you almost feel, fortunate for for Bubba Ventrone because you know there, there's no time for him to get his normal press conference because the first question you feel like you go in there and the first question should be what have we learned right yes because you're yeah. probably gonna be without Dustin Hopkins for for this game I, I cannot it imagine it to be yeah. bad it feels likely yeah the, the the pressure will be on the special teams unit certainly on Thursday night um based on a few flaws we saw with the onside kick the kick return and obviously not being able to kick field goals so an interesting week in that regard, Pete. You're absolutely right. There are there are things we can take away. We do want to try and stay positive, and and so I want to close on something very positive. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you again about our pal Philly. Uh, it's it's a it's a great day for the Browns. The Browns win. It's Christmas Eve. We're all feeling very warm and fuzzy. Please extend that warm and fuzzy feeling to our buddy uh, Scott Fillinger, who has decided to sponsor these post game shows and uh, offers a wide range of branded apparel and promotional products uh, for you, your business, your nonprofit group, whatever you've got in mind. I'm wearing the uh, the pullover here and the hat. These are both uh, his product, and, and the quality is really high. I can tell you that much. We're so excited to have uh, Philly as, a, as an OBR postgame sponsor, and uh, we look forward to this every week to wear the stuff, talk about it, share the good work that he's doing with all of you, uh, he works with everyone from Fortune 500 companies to small businesses like the OBR, and he creates products that reflect their branding, uh, just like what you see here on the stream. I know Brad's got some of the gear on, too. It sounds like we're going to have to get Pete a little bit of merch in the near future so that everybody is uh, is dressed up. But you can see on, on the slides here the uh, what what Scott can do for you. So please reach out to him, support a fellow member of the OBR community, 
and um, give him your business. You can see his contact information there, scott.fillinger uh, at proforma.com and the phone number. So reach out and, and give him a shout if you are interested in anything like this. As the new year begins, maybe you're starting a new marketing initiative. Start it with our buddy Philly. All right. Stuff's so that's really nice. Yeah. It's really nice. Big quality stuff. And it's Philly's great. a great guy to work with. So it's a it's a it's it's a plus plus situation. It's a win-win, classic win-win. Uh and of course the, the positive thing I want to talk about to finish here is Amari Cooper, right? Because it's a single game record, right? You, you there's not much you can say about what he did today, except that Pete brought it up earlier. The poor guy has to go back out and set the record. Uh, almost under duress because the Browns have to get a first down to salt the win away. And he goes out and catches a 15 yard out, which is thrown on a sliver between the sideline and Derek Stingley. So uh, just an absolutely incredible performance. I know that Josh Gordon did some special stuff with the Browns. I, I remember a lot of those games, but it all, it all felt like if you'll excuse, excuse the, uh, the, the expression uh, pissing into the wind essentially, because those games were, often losses and it it would be exciting but it almost kind of felt like a sideshow that distracted from what the browns were doing overall which was not much uh this is a, a dominant performance in the service of the browns being 10 and 5 and having one foot in the playoffs uh, amari cooper is playing like one of the best wide receivers in football down the stretch here and i think he doesn't get nearly enough credit for the level that he's producing at especially considering how long his career has been at this level but you, you could make the argument, uh, and I saw this on social media, it may have been one of our guys, it may even have been uh, one, one of the guys on the stream with me, I can't remember, but somebody made the point that potentially you could argue that his past two seasons in Cleveland have been some of the best of his career. So uh, I guess let's just talk quickly about, uh, Brad, I'll throw it to you, talk about what Amari Cooper means to this team and, and, and just what an incredible thing it was watching him today. It felt like if it was headed in his direction, he was coming down with it, right? Yeah, the the thing that's amazing about him breaking the the single game record and in his performance for the last two years and, and even so much in this game, the dominant this season altogether, we'll just kind of say he's been dominant. Um, but especially today, to shine a light on that, is that Josh Gordon did it with incredible athleticism, like length like freak athleticism right where you just pluck the ball out of the air and run past people and just like look like he was a man among boys cooper isn't a uh uber athletic uh wide receiver right like he's not freakishly athletic he's not freakishly fast he does i don't think he has an amazing vertical he's just a, a technician right like and, and anything that goes near his hands he he manipulates his body and he and he knows how to shield guys off. He's just the consummate professional that anything that goes near him, he's going to, you know, get you in the right position. Uh, the nuance to his game is incredible to, to bring in some of the catches that he brings in. Even that last one that sets the record, uh, you know, kind of, I don't even know how he caught it really. He just like... It didn't look, it looked like it was maybe going to get tipped or picked, but somehow he just sticks to his hands, both feet and perfectly. Like he is uh, incredible. And uh, in that way, I, you have to kind of tip your cap and say, it almost means more when it's not like, you know, just freak athleticism taking over uh, when it is somebody that is that good at their craft uh, that they're playing at this high level. And, Man, uh, the just the connection with him and Flacco is so apparent at this point. 
they're they're clearly uh, you know Cooper did some national radio this week talking about the connection with Flacco and the kind of ball he threw and everything and uh the faith he's a faith multiplier is that what he said yeah. <laughs> this a, week yes. so uh video game coop, terms yeah coop uh coop likes him uh obviously but uh just an incredibly impressive performance by you know like i said yeah. uh, a guy that um has mastered his craft and the browns uh really seeing the peak of it i think here with uh the past few weeks here with flacco yeah, apparently Cooper in the post game, just real quick, Pete uh, said he was confident he could get 300 yards if he stayed in the game. So that's where his head was at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had 242 after three quarters. Right. So there you go. Out, like, yeah. and it was effort. It felt the, the thing was, it felt effortless. I want to quickly point out David Njoku had a hell of a game, and Amari Cooper was so prolific that you're not even thinking about it. But, you know, Njoku's been on a great run, had that great touchdown catch, and another unbelievable throw. Cooper has been the most quarterback immune receiver this team has had since Josh Gordon. You know, with Great receivers point. they've had in the past, it's always been, well, does he fit? Does so and so fit the quarterback? Or does the quarterback fit the receiver? Mark Cooper doesn't care. PJ Walker's in the game, and Mark Cooper still produces 100 yards if you need him to. Um, and, you know, in a year where the Browns have won with four different quarterbacks, Mark Cooper is at like 1,300 yards or whatever he's at for the season. Right. Um, and he's one of three guys who have had 200 yard receiving game with three different teams. Um, those are typically things you associate with hall of fame receivers. Um, but just in terms of this game, easily his best performance, he would not be denied on, on those 50, 50 balls. He just was better than the guy covering him on multiple situations. Uh, and he won with his size, his strength, his speed, and just an unbelievable amount of technique Obviously, when we the Browns initially acquired him, the whole thing was Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in football. Today, he really put on a show on some of those just working angles. Some of the things the Browns do with condensed formations really serve him well and being able to create space and giving him space to catch those passes on the outside like that pass that sort of set the record. He's been spectacular, certainly in the argument. I, I mean, it's difficult to argue he's not the best receiver uh, this team has had. In you know, since at least Gordon, if not the entire you know the entire iteration of this this version of the Browns, just because he's so consistent and it it the thing with him is he's one not a big self promoter, so it sort of gets lost a little bit because he's not talking about how good he is. And two, it often oftentimes feels effortless for him. It, mm -hmm. Obviously, he had two monster plays in this game, but when he got to two forty two at the third quarter mark, you're like. How did this happen? It just yeah. it was so easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. It was. It, effortless is the right word. There's not really. I can't. <laughs> I can't improve on that. That's as good as it gets. Uh, I want to shout out Warpath quick for the gifted uh, subscriptions, and then uh, Pat Shea as well with five gifted subs. You guys are hanging out and having a good time here on a Christmas Eve. We're so happy to be with you, celebrating a Browns win. Browns go to ten and five. Uh, they are on the road towards a playoff berth. They've got a home game coming up on Thursday night against the Jets. While we're talking about it, we will be here after that game for a post-game uh, celebration, hopefully, of clinching a playoff berth. So plan ahead for that. Plan to stay up with us late on a Thursday night. Hopefully none of us have to work on Friday the 29th because uh, I think Thursday is going to be a pretty special night. Not to put too much pressure on these guys, but I doubt any of them are watching. All right, so we want to wrap it up here. Let's talk about... I guess, man, I, 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 it's it's Christmas time. Uh, Brad, is there is there something specifically 
let's let's say this: Is there something if you could get the Browns one present tomorrow to 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 take them through the rest of the season? What what would what would it be? What, uh... So, for example, I want Robbie Gold to come out of retirement and kick for the Browns if Dustin Hopkins is hurt the rest of the year. That's my gift to the Browns. I would, uh, I would heal twenty four. I mean, I would heal him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah. yeah. No, gosh. Nick Chubb for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would heal. Yeah. I would heal twenty four. But um, I, I just wanted to say that. Please. This team is. Uh, special i don't know i think this team is really special this run this browns team not to get all sappy and everything but it is christmas eve and they did just win their 10th <laughs> game they are 10 and 5 so i'll get a little sappy but this team is as fun uh as enjoyable of a team as i can remember watching browns wise i have enjoyed this run uh, yeah. more than i'm 41 so it's not like I've been around forever. I'm sure that uh, older gentlemen than me have seen teams that they may like more. But this, I can't remember a team that I have enjoyed more than this one. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and uh, it it's a good time to remember it because again, there were multiple times today where I was just sitting back on my couch laughing at the television because you, you just kind of can't believe what you're seeing. A, a season that feels like it should be painful. You mentioned Nick Chubb. That was that feels like it was two years ago. That was that was part of this season as well. It just keeps delivering memorable moments, and and it's uh it, yeah, it's it's a real antidote to the last two seasons, which I think had the exact opposite feeling. To be honest with you, so absolutely. Um, I yeah, I kind of can't get enough of it, and and really have gotten to the point where you you just kind of sit back and laugh because it's all house money, man. So, uh, Pete, I, I saw you scoff a little bit. My question, you don't have to answer what you would get for the Browns for Christmas, but, but I guess taking Brad's prompt, which is maybe a better prompt, uh, just reflect on where the Browns are getting, considering they got to double digit wins. this year. Well, I, the only thing I, I laugh about is just the idea of how many different guys could you heal? That would right. Help exactly. <laughs> because, because the, the thing I would jump on, it would be Justin Houston as, as mm-hmm. a gift to the Browns as a one more. Yep. Pass for sure. Great call. But, you know, in terms of this team and this season, it's all about the amount of times that people have tried to put dirt on this team, including its own fan base and media. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Nip Chubb goes down for the season. Most people think the season's over. Uh, Deshaun Watson goes down for the season. Most people think the season's over. They've continued to just deny reality in, in, in terms of how what everybody else is, is defining it and just said, no, we're going to win. And they are 10-5 and five with the potential and suddenly – realistic potential perhaps to be 12 and five, which is just insane. If they go 11 and six, whatever, they could go 10 and seven. You're still going to be like, this is an unbelievable season. Yes. This team could be 12 and five. And what is an incredibly difficult AFC conference in what people are calling the most difficult division in football this year. And this team, no one would bet on this team. No one would bet on this team to win the way it has won. And yet, Every week, it's something else that is coming up and, and working for them. It's some There's always another player. I don't know how many people knew Deron Harmon was on the team until he intercepted that pass, but Deron Harmon comes up with a play. There's always somebody else to sort of add to the story of what, what has become this season and always something else to sort of celebrate with this team. And, uh, you know, the, the, the lasting sort of uh, legacy of this, uh, you've heard like David Njoku talk about it this week and other guys, is, is just the 
camaraderie they have, the culture they have, and the fact that they just seem to take guys from wherever and they are automatically a part of this in a way that those guys who have shown up off the street want to play desperately for the guy next to them and it's working. And that's a testament to everything this team has been because you look at this and granted they won in dominant fashion yesterday, but it, in so many ways you look at where the Browns are compared to where the Steelers are headed and they've like switched. Yes. Switched who they are. This yes. is, this has been the Steelers mentality for so many years and the Browns seem to have stolen it and are doing it better mm. at least this year. So it's an incredible ride to go. And, you know, it, it I, I've long looked at the season as sort of like, you desperately want to get to the playoffs because they've killed themselves for it. But after that, you're just sort of like, go for it. Take a shot. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a really great way to sum it up. And and perhaps the, the most wonderful gift the Browns could get all of us is turning into that sort of franchise that finds a way to make lemonade out of lemons when things are really stacked against them. So uh, we don't want to keep anybody too late here because it is Christmas Eve. Everybody's got uh, celebrations to attend and things to do. So we are going to leave it there. But we deeply appreciate everybody for joining us on a Christmas Eve to celebrate a Browns 36-22 win over the Texans. I am specifically appreciative to Ian McBride for running things behind the scenes, all that, all those great graphics on a Christmas Eve. And, of course, to my co-hosts, Brad Ward, Pete Smith, thank you, gentlemen, for jumping on with me. It's a pleasure talking with all of you. I think our schedule is a little modified this week because of the holiday tomorrow. So uh, stick close to our Twitter account, and I think we'll have the updates for what to expect and when there. Uh, for the aforementioned gentlemen behind the scenes, Ian McBride, and then Brad Ward and Pete Smith with me here. I'm Andrew Spade. Thank you so much for joining us. Everybody have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and we will be talking to you soon, Thursday night, after the Browns play the Jets. Until then, have a great night. Go Browns. Happy Holidays.